0: Welcome to the EQ Podcast. Hey, welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Calvary Chapel Association in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson. I have with me Pastor Steve Winery. Hey, and also, we're excited to have on the show today the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Emmett in Emmett, Idaho. How are you doing, Mike?
1: Great. Thanks for having yeah. me.
0: Mike Hughes, uh, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, assuming that anyone listening doesn't know who you are, doesn't know where you came from, maybe a little bit about your family
1: even? Yeah, so um, um, I grew up in Idaho, Pocatello area, and I um, started going to Calvary Chapel um, in 1992. Ninety-three, somewhere in there, when I I got saved, listened to their radio station, and um, I met my wife, um, in Pocatello, led her to the Lord, um, and we got married in '96, and then moved. Are to you Boise. are you serious about that? And um, in Boise, we yeah.
0: Are you serious? You led her to the yeah, Lord.
1: What 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 what's?
0: <laughs> I'm just curious. You you're yeah, the one like so, led her to Jesus. Um, <laughs>
1: Tell them how many know about know. this. Wait a minute. Wait. Tell me how. So she's know. a foxy babe, yeah. babe, and you decided you, you should this. witness you to her, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So she was Mormon, you know, and that was. Oh uh, wow. That wasn't going to work for me, you know. I was I was a brand new Christian, and I, um, you know, we we were. Um, I was going to church there in Pocatello, and I was on fire for the Lord, and I I had met her before I got saved. And then we reconnected after I got saved and that's when I found out she was Mormon. And, um, I took her just on a kind of a group date with some other folks. And, um, afterwards she told me, Oh, I'm a Mormon and I love the Mormon church. And it's so wonderful. And I thought, man, there's just it's, she's lost. There's no hope for her, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so I didn't talk to her for like eight months. And then, um, I saw her in Denny's and I was thinking, you know, man, I, maybe should go talk to her. So I, uh, I, I, Went over there and, and, um, you know, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll either, you know, I'll tell her about the Lord and either she'll hate me and not want to see me anymore, which would be, you know, better than put myself in temptation or she'll get saved. So, um, I, I had just gone through, in this group, just gone through, uh, Ray Comfort's 10 10 uh, canons. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was before his hell's best kept secret. But, um, I just took her through the law and showed her that she was a sinner and, um, she had been kind of seeking already um and um it she just i mean it just opened the door cracked the door wide open mm-hmm. and then um she uh she left you know i gave me this big hug and she's like i, I finally get it and everything and then she left denny's and um and I, I was like oh no i forgot to get her phone number i don't even know how to get a hold of her you know I, I don't know where she's living i don't know anything and so um for two weeks i was stressed out like how do i get a hold of this girl because she's you know she's out there, you know, and I didn't pray with her to receive Christ or anything yet. And so um, I was working at Calvary Chapel radio station at the time, and I was, you know, going on between every song, you know, trying to hopefully somebody be listening and she'll find out, you know, and call, but um, she didn't. And um, this gal, Brandy, came in afterwards and she said, you should dedicate a song to her. And I was like, ah, you know, she's not listening. She's like, well, just do it. And so I was like, OK, so I, I I don't know what I was thinking, but I just looked at the CDs and there was a song called Time for a Change. And that just sounded right. Like I didn't even know the song. <laughs> I keyed it up <laughs> and I, I keep the mic and I say, this is going out to Shannon for Mike," And I hit play and it's this love song. And I'm like, no. My friends, <laughs> or, you know, and I was <laughs> like, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad she's not listening, you know. And, and then the phone rang and um i pick up the phone and and she says this mike from denny's and i was like i was like yeah is this shannon she says yeah and i said i played the wrong song i'm sorry <laughs> she's like no <laughs> you don't understand I. she said i was sitting there with my book of mormon and my bible and i was just praying god i just want to know the truth you know just show me what's true and she said i just felt like i was supposed to turn the radio on she says i don't even know how i got on the station and where i was like right then it was just like god you know, showing her, you know. And so we got kid and um, I went over where she, would, she was doing nannying for this lady. And so she'd take the kids to the park and we'd sit at the picnic bench and talk. And she had all these questions and she was really wrestling. And so um, we, you know, I just answered her questions. And then eventually I said, you know, it's it's time to make a decision. You know, you want to receive Christ. And she said, yeah. So we knelt down and prayed and she received Jesus. And so <laughs> that was kind of awesome. cool. And then, But I was actually dating another girl at the time. <laughs> And that was kind of a, you know, it was kind of, it was tenuous. So I, I didn't really know how that was going to go. And so I was, I was clear with her, you know, Hey, I'm not really looking for a relationship and I didn't want to jump right into a relationship anyway with a, with somebody who just got saved. So anyway, a couple of months went by the thing with the other girl didn't work out and we started, we started dating and then dated for two years and then got married and um, then moved to Boise. And so, yeah.
0: That's great, dude! Awesome. i never heard that story. I'm so glad I interrupted you, <laughs> um, Mike. Would you tell us a little bit about you've been in uh, Emmett for a, a while now? Would you tell us how you got there? Yeah. Maybe you know the calling that I know that led you to be into okay. ministry and then also to get out to Emmett, and maybe even explain to the listeners where Emmett is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so the calling you know came when i first got saved before i met my wife um my my parents were um song evangelists for the nazarene church and so um i was you know i was partier i was you know recreational drugs girls the whole thing you know just kind of living life and um i was i was actually um kind of I guess, afraid of the dark, you know, I'd see these demonic faces coming at me at night. And um, so I would drink NyQuil or, you know, a shot of whiskey or something before I went to bed. And I'm just a teenager, you know, 17, 18 years old. And um, a friend of mine told me that there was a Calvary Chapel radio station. And so I started turning that on at night to kind of chase away the demons, you know, as Mm -hmm. I went to bed and, and a guy came on and said, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, Jesus can forgive all your sins. And I thought to myself, you know, I grew up going to church when I was a kid before my parents were divorced. And I thought, man, I've been to church. I know better. You know, God can never forgive me. And so when I heard that, I was like, you know what, that's true. I want that. And so I got on my knees and prayed and received Christ. Well, then I was like, I gotta get out of Pocatello. I gotta I gotta get away from my friends and the influences. And so I ended up um traveling with my dad, who was a song evangelist, and we traveled through down into Mexico and um over to Pennsylvania and Washington, DC and all these different places. And and while I was on that trip, I just saw God do miracles. I mean, it was just the provision, you know, and it was the Nazarene church, so it wasn't like Pentecostal or anything, but Mm-hmm. it was during that trip i was in new jersey in my aunt franny's studio and i received a baptism of the holy spirit and i didn't even know what that was like it wasn't until years later going to calvary pocatello that i actually realized that oh that's i was baptized in the holy spirit but it was during that that the lord told me very clearly you're going to be a pastor and um i was dyslexic you know i and am dyslexic i was you know nervous, like introverted, couldn't stand in front of people, you know, there's no way. And um, so I just told God, Okay, well, that's fine. That's your problem. You're gonna have to do that. You know, there's no way I can do that. So um, I knew that that was my calling. um, But I also knew God had to do something to equip me for that. And so when we went to Calvary Boise, um, I asked Bob, the pastor there, I said, Hey, um, you know, is do you recommend Bible college, you know, I feel like God's called me to ministry he said, yeah. So I I took some Bible college classes there at the church that they had, that they were offering. And then, um, through circumstances, you know, I just was serving wherever I could find a place to serve within the church. You know, my wife and I would stack chairs, we'd, you know, help move things. We would do construction. We would, um, you know, hand out bulletins, do children's ministry. I just figured, you know, whatever's available we're going to do. And so we were always there serving and helping out. And then, um, when, uh, when somebody asked us to do children's ministry, to be the, we were the assistant coordinators to second service. And, and I think three, by three months later, we were running the entire children's ministry. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, Pastor Bob, was he was getting tired of doing his fruitful ministry class for a bunch of people who weren't doing ministry. And so he told Dan Davis, the, his assistant pastor, he says, I want you to find the people in this church that are actually doing ministry, and we're going to do an intern program. So they started this intern program and he asked us to be a part of it. And so it's kind of a, a, um, a brand new thing. And so we interned for a year and, um, we had some friends that moved out to Emmett, which is just North of Boise about 25 miles as the crow flies, um, about a 30, 40 minute drive from Boise. And, um, we had some friends moved out here and um, the guy took a job as a police officer and they came over one night for dinner and he said hey you guys should plant a church in emmett you know there's uh, there's no calvary chapel there and i said are there are there people in emmett like it's just a <laughs> tiny town isn't it yeah. you know is it, is it really worth it you know and and my wife's like you know we should pray about it and he's like oh yeah it's you know it's about eight thousand people and at that time i think it was about eight thousand. and I was like, okay, well, let's, we'll pray about it. And so we prayed about it Re- reluctantly. I prayed about it. We go to the interim meeting um, the next Thursday and, um, we're going around introducing ourselves, and, you know, and I wasn't like super like confident, like I'm going to go start a church or anything like that. You know, it was, it was just kind of like, I'm just going to follow the Lord's lead, you know? And, um, so here I'm in this interim program. I'm hesitant about that, but I'm also starting to feel stirred like God's going to do something. And I started asking Shannon questions like if God takes us to Kentucky, would you go? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'd go. I go. Said OK. And so I, I felt settled about that. Well, then this Emmett thing comes up and we go to the interim meeting and um, we're introducing ourselves and um the 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 new guy was the pastor at calvary chapel centralia ben park and you probably know him but he was he was the new guy and so we were all introducing ourselves to him and um ben um you know uh, as we're as we're introducing ourselves to ben pastor bob says um so you know who are you going to be and what do you want to what do you want to be when you grow up is what what the question was and so i'm mike and i said you know whatever the lord wants and pastor bob says well don't you want to be a pastor and i says yeah that's what the lord wants and he looked at Shannon, my wife, and he says, "Doesn't he want to be a pastor?" And she kind of nudges me. She's like, "Yeah, you know, he does want to be a pastor." And um Bob says, well, "We need a pastor in Emmet." And I was like, "What? <laughs> this is crazy! Like, we just prayed about that. That's really weird that you would say that. And like, you know, it was kind of like everything slowed down, and it's like Emmett reverberated in my ears." You know, kind of thing. <laughs> when you said that, and I'm just kind of like, "Wow, you know, like, is is this what God's doing?" So. We went to a prayer retreat i think it was a week or two later up to garden valley and i spent the weekend just fasting and praying and then came back down through emmet and when we came into town um i just had that calvary chapel um song little country church on the edge of town yep. and so i could see okay this is down into town but we're on the edge of town I, and i said i think we're supposed to look up here on the bench and so we drove down the road and drove right to the school that we ended up buying. And my wife said, look, there's an abandoned school. So we pulled in we looked in the windows. We walked around the building, prayed that God would give it to us. And then I went back to Pastor Bob and I said, hey, I think um, God's called us to Emmett. You know, I, we've been praying about it. And and I said, so what do you think? And what do we do? And he said, well, I'll give you a list of people that have come to Calvary Boise. And, um, you know, you can call. All and start a Bible study. And if God blesses it, it will grow into a church. And if not, then, you know, we'll see you back here. And I was like, okay, what he didn't tell me was that I'm the sixth guy that he sent out to Emmett. <laughs> and every other guy kind of came back, you know, wow. upset and everything. So, uh, but anyway, so we, we go out to Emmett, April, 2001 and um, plant to start this Bible study. And within, I think it was by September, we had about 40 adults that's awesome and so i went back to bob and i said we have 40 adults you know and and um this is kind of funny because he he kind of cocked his head sideways and he's like already and i was like yeah you know sorry <laughs> i don't know what i was to say he's like i thought you'd be out there for a couple of years before you're ready to plant and i was like i was like okay so then he said, well, why don't you just bring everybody here on Sunday morning to Calvary Boise, all, all your people, and I'll talk to them about the responsibilities of being a church. And I was like, okay. And I think, you know, thinking back on it, I think he was thinking, does he really have people, you know? <laughs> 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 we show up, and he walked in the room, and he saw all these people there. I mean, all 40 of us were there, you know, with bells on, we're excited, you know. And he, he kind of looks around, and then he left. And I was like, what's going on? And so for 15 minutes, we just kind of sat there and we prayed and whatever. And then finally he came back in and he gave everybody the lowdown about being a church. And, um, and so then I talked to Dan Davis who had just planted a church a year before me. And Dan, I said, Dan, you know, how do you, how do you start a church? I mean, you just started your church. How do you do it? And he says, Mike, it's kind of like Nike. You just do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Okay, let's do it. You know, so so we rented a little place. Um, we inquired about the building, um, the the school that we had looked at, and um, what was weird is that school, the school that we were we were wanting to buy, was given to the school district by the Spratt family here in Emmet in 1905 for the bargain basement half price deal of seventeen dollars and fifty cents, and so. Wow. <laughs> um they had a deal that if you ever stop using that as a school we get to buy it back at the original half price, you know, $17.50. So what happened was the school district stopped using it. They went to sell it and when they pulled the title, did the title search and pulled the title, they found out that it was there was this deal and so they had to offer it before they could close, they had to offer it to this family. They found the last living heir in California on her deathbed. And she said, I want all of my stuff and I want that school all to go to the Hawaii County Historical Society. And she'd already given a ranch and stuff to them in trust, you know, and so everything was in this, in this deal already. And so then she says, I want the school there too. So, um, that's who we were communicating with was the Hawaii County Historical Society because they're the ones who were supposedly the new owners of the property. So, um, we we met them and walked through the school, and at the time the the property was probably worth a couple hundred thousand dollars in Emmet prices, and um, they uh, they said that they wanted eighty thousand for it, and what I found out later was they just wanted to get rid of it quick, so they were going to sell it for eighty thousand, and but we were brand new, like we literally had just started the church a couple months ago, and so there wasn't anybody is going to loan us a bunch of money, you know, even eighty thousand for the church, probably I don't know, um, but we, um, we talked to him and one of the guys said, Hey, Mike, I think they take 50,000 for this place. And I said, Really? And he said, Yeah. And I said, Well, where we get 50,000? I mean, you know, we, we probably wouldn't get, be able to get that either. He's like, Oh, I can, I can get that. He says, That's no problem. I had no people who would who would invest in the church at that at that amount. And I was like, Okay, so I, I talked to my few elders, and they said, Yeah, let's do it. And I went back to the guy. And he said, Oh, I'm sorry. I talked to my investors and I can get 45,000 for you, but I can't get 50. And I said, that's amazing. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, we thought they'd take 50, but if they take 45, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> he said, okay, let's do it. So we went out <laughs> and um, offered ByE County Historical Society, 40,500 and figured that they'd, they'd counter with 45, you know, and, um, we just we just went out there and met these people and it was like a whole group of like there was probably twenty of them and there were most of them were like in their eighties and nineties. There was one guy that was in his sixties and another gal who's eighteen. And um we said, uh, you know, we're we're Calvary Chapel, you know, we're not supported by another church. We're you know, we just we we're autonomous and so we have to pay our own bills. We believe we're God guides, God provides. And if you guys would be willing to sell it to us, we'd be grateful but don't feel like you have to, you know, but this is, this is something we'd really love to have, you know, and, um, we left. And, um, later on, uh, when we went to put our earnest money down, after they'd accepted our offer, um, this lady gives me her phone number. Like she's, she's in a wheelchair and she's like 80 years old. She's like, give me a call. I got to tell you about a miracle. So I called her and she said, when you guys left, they just started making fun of you. They, they were, some of them were angry. Some of them thought it was ridiculous. somebody said why don't we all hold hands and pray to the gods and maybe the gods will tell us to give it to them for nothing and she said they were just it was just a hostile environment and she said but i thought you know what these people seem sincere and i'm a christian and so i prayed lord you know what if you want these people to have this building you know then you can change everybody's heart in two weeks and so she figured by the next meeting in two weeks so she said why don't we just come back in two weeks and and decide this and they said no we're making a decision tonight and she says, okay, God, you have five minutes. And then the guy sitting next to her who's, who's, uh, who showed us the building, he said, um, why don't we just counter and give it to him for 45 and just get rid of it? And she said, well, well, I second that. And she said, then the president was like, well, is that a motion? And he's like, yeah, it's a motion, 45,000. And he says, okay, anybody have anything they want to add or say? And, and she said, he says, okay, that's a second. And she says, yeah, that's a second. And he, and he said all in favor. And she said, she's never seen these people agree on the color of carpet or paint color or (laughs) what they're going to do with any project. They always argue. And she says, this is the first time it was unanimous. It was a miracle. (laughs) So we ended up buying our building for 45,000. And um, the, the guy who was getting investors, they gave us 60 after that. And so we had 15,000 to play with, to fix up some stuff. And, um, get our sanctuary ready, and um, yeah, just just the way the Lord provided, you know, um, just really cool. So that's way cool. <laughs> that's kind of our our story. How much land yeah. came with it? We've been here Mike? for um, tw- um, th- three acres. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say we just we just paid off ten acres downtown, so we're gonna be moving. Lord willing, you know. Things we we actually got the property when um, COVID hit, so <laughs> we we got our plans already, and then COVID hit, and then everything changed, and prices here went way up. So yeah. now we're just getting back to the point where we're getting ready to build. So,
0: so you t- took over that school, and eventually uh, you took over a private school in town too, right? That occupies your school. Would you, I want I wanted just to ask you, maybe you can clarify that, but I wanted to ask you you know, what have been some positive things that have come out of that partnership that you might encourage some other guys who are thinking, you know, we want to start a private school because I think that's a really important thing in your community. And I think, I know it's been a huge part of your church culture as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so we had a, a school approach us um, in 2013. Actually, I think their first approached us in 2012 and they said, we'd love to partner with you guys and use, you know, we could use your, your space or we could share space or something like that. And I just, you know, I thought there's no way this is going to work if we don't take over the school. And so I told the guy, I said, the only way we'll do that is if you come on staff and you become part of our team. And so he said, no, Um, his sister was also part of it. um, And so, a year went by and finally one day I got a call and he says, I'm ready to do it. And, um, so I said, okay. So i sat down with my, my elders and team and everything and said, okay, what do we do here and how do we work this out? And basically, um, we just, we basically brought them in. And the, the thing was is we were not going to change anything for a year. We were just going to let them get settled and um, then after a year went by we would start to make some changes um and and that was a little bumpy at first because there was a lot of people who expected um oh calvary chapel's gonna take over so now everybody's gonna get a raise and you know <laughs> you know we're gonna improve we're gonna get to be able to improve the things that we want to improve and change the things we want to change but really the only thing that changed was the location and um that first year they had they had like two um, double wide trailers that they were doing the school in so they moved to our facility which was much bigger and the school went from 50 kids to 72 kids and the next year it was 96 kids the next year it was um 112 113 and um and so it, it's been great i mean honestly the the marriage between the school and the church has been mostly good um and, and yet we've had some pretty severe challenges as well you know and i, I think that it's I, I think if it's something that god's calling you to do i never really wanted a school um because <laughs> i just i don't know seemed like a lot of drama but mm-hmm. um you know as as my wife was praying for a school and um she didn't mm-hmm. want to put the kids in the trailer houses down on you know on 12th street so <laughs> yeah. she when when it came to our church it was answered prayer for her but, um, I was, I was open to it, you know, at that time. And as long as I didn't have to run myself, you know, and that was kind of the thing I didn't want to, I didn't feel like being a principal or anything like that. So, um, yeah, the Lord, the Lord opened the door and it, it's worked out great. Um, the school's doing awesome. Um, we have, I think, 135 students this year. Um, and we have two, two campuses. We have a elementary campus downtown um that we bought a few years back in 2018 and um we got that that was another miracle it's a whole another miracle story but we bought a million dollar building for 250,000 or 270
2: <laughs> Talk about some of the fruit that you've seen uh from the school.
1: Um you know it's it's been um I, I think a couple different things we've seen a lot of people who were part of the school that were not really connected to a church um get connected to church fellowship and a lot of people get saved through that um i think as far as um the church when we brought the school to the church the church exploded in you know in uh i don't know it it, it, um the, the church exploded in, in growth as well as the school. And I think that, you know, having the partnership just kind of added credibility to both ministries mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but, you know, we've seen a lot of, a lot of students um, come to the school and, you know, get on fire for the Lord. We've seen a lot of um, people, families, you know, come to the church from the school and get on fire for the Lord. Um, I, I think that um, the, the denomination that the school was previously associated with—they weren't—they weren't part of a church. They were independent, but the the, the denomination they were a part of um, didn't really give people solid foundation, you know. And so a lot of people were going to that church, and um, and once it came here and people started getting into the Bible and learning the Word of God verse by verse, it really changed their perspective and. Um, and you know, some of them got saved. Some of them just got um, on fire for the Lord. So it's it's been really good for that. And you know, and um, even in the school, you know, our our kind of our goal is to prepare leaders for the future. That's kind of the vision of the school. And so um, we've seen a lot of most of most of our graduates go off to secondary education, and. You know, um the biggest complaint I get is this is the funny thing. I I have these students that leave and they they say we can't find a good church, you know, where we're going to school, you know, which is good. You know, they'll say, Oh, the sermons are too short, or you know, <laughs> yeah. something like that, which is kind of funny, but you know, um, it's it's good. You know, I, it makes me happy that they're they're actually conscientious about finding a good church and getting plugged in somewhere where they can fellowship. So I had That's a couple of awesome. students say stuff like that.
2: Did your, sure. uh, did your school grow after COVID?
1: Um, you, you know, it, it, yeah, it has. I mean, we. the problem is, is our facilities just don't give us a lot of space for growth. Yeah. And so that's been a challenge for us. Um, mm-hmm. This year, it's the the largest it's ever been in the 130s. You know, um, I, I think we. Could, it, it kind of taps out as we um, fill up certain grades. You know, so some grades will not have as many students and other grades will be full mm-hmm. and we'll have waiting lists. And so, um, you know, when we build our new facility, then hopefully those problems will be remedied you know but yeah. this year they actually have there's a couple classes that are um or well, i guess just one one class that has two has uh, 10th grade a and 10th grade b <laughs> so <laughs> they, they have two classes for 10th grade which is kind of cool um and so they're working to try to remedy some of those problems um but space has always been an issue you know yeah.
2: all
0: right So. So you don't know this. This is our thirteenth episode ever. So I thought we'd go down this vein. I remember ha- hanging out with you la- this last month at the worship conference, and you were telling me about your you know—an influx of demonic activity or just oppression in your area, and you—you you shared some stories. And you know, I was just curious because you know, a lot of times we—you know—live in the American culture, we don't hear a lot of this kind of. Um, you know, what's going on in the, in the spiritual realm. I feel like Satan is really good at hiding himself in a lot of ways in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just want to hear your, your take and kind of share some of the stories that you, uh, we had talked about.
1: Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and I've, I shared with Steve before we went through a pretty severe and it was actually related to our school. So that's why I'm a little bit reticent to be super encouraging. The people right <laughs> the schools can be a lot of drama, but, um, yeah. We we went through a a very severe satanic attack um, related to our school. And I think um, when it happened, I wasn't aware of it. And um, my elders and leaders were definitely not aware of it either. And it was actually talking to Bill Holdridge, you know, who's part of Poyman Ministries. As I kind of shared with him some of the things that were going on, he, he told me, he's like, wow, you guys didn't see this spiritual attack coming. And it just kind of took me back. Like, wow, you're right. I, i really didn't see this coming and um so you know kind of processing that and going through a very what seemed like a very well-planned satanic attack upon me and my family and um almost leaving you know we we almost left here um and i almost took a job with ty or in Idaho falls (laughs) he had it all lined up for me you know that's how serious it was and um Uh yet we had you know brothers and sisters here who were walking with us through it and in fact of some friends of ours that we've known since actually since youth group in pocatello that live here in emmet with us and um they would they would come and walk us every day you know like just they were going for a walk and they'd take us and walk us around the park and pray with us and you know for the longest time they didn't even know what was going on because we just weren't talking about what was happening and um so um anyway started to get become aware of just how um how much this actually is is um happening within the world that i think that i was largely unaware of and i think that theologically the way i thought about demonic activity and spiritual warfare was pretty naive because I, I know that I've experienced some spiritual warfare, but nothing on this level and nothing this confusing, because that was really a big part of it. It was just so confusing. And, um, and to this day, I think most people don't even realize all that has happened, you know, all that happened, you know, in the whole thing. So it's just, it's crazy. But um, I started to just do a little bit more reading on it. And, you know, at, I, I kind of had this idea that you know, being a Christian, you know, I'm pretty much impervious to the devil. <laughs> you know, like he, he can attack, and that's you know, little uprisings, but greater is in he who is in me than he who is in the world. And you know, and that's true, but I also was kind of neglecting the verses that said, um, be vigilant, you know, and the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so you need to be you know steadfast and and vigilant and and this is happening to all your brethren in the world. and i I just hadn't really thought about that, you know that wow, and then then the full armor of God. like, why would we need the full armor of God if there wasn't actually a real attack, you know taking mm-hmm. place? and then um even even this morning at devotions, you know, we were going through um Matthew chapter two and um, in staff devotions, and I just kind of felt like, you know, here's Jesus born into the world, and an angel has to come to Joseph and warn him that an attack is coming. And of course, we see a, a greater picture of that in Revelation chapter 12, the dragon getting ready to devour the child as soon as it's born, you know, and, and um, even Jesus faced severe demonic attack you know and and so why would i be impervious of that and you Mm -hmm. know just this last sunday i talked about peter um and jesus says satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat you know and and asking my congregation could that happen you know could god actually give permission to satan you know and and i i think that um i think that those things you know looking back on all of it i think that the lord allows those things in our lives um to sift us to break the kernel off to soften us to make us and mold us into what he wants us to be so you know what the devil is still god's devil um but i've been i've been seeing more i've been more aware of spiritual attack um i'm not blaming everything on the devil i don't think that that's healthy either but um to be aware of it, you know that it's out there the enemy does not like what we're doing um and what i found is the more i'm aware of the lies of the enemy, the tricks of the enemy. You know, he likes to work between people in relationships and make you feel like people don't like you or people are mad at you when they're not and all those things. But to be aware of that kind of helps you to not be ignorant concerning the wiles of the devil, you know, and to realize that we're in a battle like this. We're not here because life's supposed to be easy or, you know, know, we're living for this world. I mean, we're going to be here for... Second, compared to eternity, and then we're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years, and we're going to, you know, have a new heaven and a new earth, and that's what we're living for—not for, for this time here. But while we're here, we live in a world that's still under the sway of the wicked one, and um, so I think it, for me, it's been a real eye opener in the last, two, well, three years, really, because I think COVID was huge, um, but uh, a real eye opener on how the enemy gets in and how he attacks people and how to be wise to that and how to, um, you know, put the full armor of God on, you know, um, which is really just keeping my focus on Jesus and staying in his word and being strong in in the Lord. Um, and, and just being aware that that I'm being lied to, you know, in my thoughts and in my, um, in my, uh, experience with other people, you know, people don't always, they're not always discerning when it comes to the fact that they're being attacked, and so to be, just be wise to that and and to help people through that.
0: You mentioned uh, you know a lot of this came became real obvious to you when you had you know, that season of, of trial where the church was, you know, splintering. I don't know if it was a you know, split, but, you know, definitely the Lord, enemy was attacking you. My I was going to ask, what, was, what encouragement would you give to a pastor who's in a similar situation? Not exactly like yours, obviously, but, you know, where there's sure. there's stuff happening and people are, you know, casting blame or there's dissension. And, and there's that, you know, like you said, that temptation to want to flee and kind of get out of the area. What encouragement would you give to them?
1: My, my encouragement is um, do what the Lord tells you to do and don't do what the Lord doesn't tell you to do. Don't forget <laughs> in the dark what you know in the light. Mm. You know, I think Satan's first lie that he always tells us is that God is upset with you. God hates you. You know, you, we have these questions about our salvation. Of course, we've got to keep our head in our salvation. And, and two things with that, when it comes to the helmet of salvation, we got to remember that we're saved that he's never going to leave us or forsake us and the second thing we need to remember is i got to act like a safe person you know i got to yeah. keep my head in my salvation and so when it comes to receiving attack um don't repay evil for evil you know and and that's what the word you know clearly tells romans 12 do what's right in the sight of all men and so even if you're going through a trial um don't try to fight fire with fire you know, realize, you know, try to realize that your, you know, people come against you, that that could be a spiritual attack. And, you know, what the enemy wants you to do is to blow your witness to, blow to, you know, to lose your cool and to, to respond wrongly, you know, I mean, in my case, I did respond wrongly, you know, it's, it's, um, it was uh, a very difficult time in our life, we almost lost our daughter. And so when this came, and in just. I hadn't slept for probably, I probably hadn't had a good night's sleep in eight months because we were going to lose our our adopted our daughter that we were set to adopt. We'd had her since yeah. she was an infant, it would have been two years. And um, we found out eight months prior to that that we were going to lose her. So I, I'd gone for a long time with no sleep, it's all night long. And so when this came, I was at my weakest point, like I was just ready to crumble. And so I just, I got, I kind of lashed out Um at the beginning and um, and it was a very brief lash out, but it did a lot of, it, it lost a lot of trust with some of my leaders. And it also, um, you know, it, there was some, uh, three people I had to apologize to for sending a, a mean um, text message, you know, and, and so um, I, I think that probably the best advice I could give you is when you get hit, don't respond right away, you know, um, pray and seek the Lord's face, pray, you know, seek counsel, um, and you know, don't let your emotions, you know, lead you in those things. Cause that can, that can do a lot of damage really quick.
2: Yeah. It's amazing how the devil doesn't fight fair, huh? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, till, wait yeah. till you have some, some earth shattering event taking place in your life and then has people rise up against you.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and you know, and and he'll always hit you where it hurts the worst, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and set you off guard. But I will say that there was a lot of things in my heart and in my life that I needed to deal with anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, the Lord allows these things for a purpose. You know, they're, they're not, they're not just random. And there is nothing like um, a, a satanic attack that will weed out stupid things in your life.
2: Yeah. One of the things I've, if, I've, I've noticed about um, uh, stuff that's happened in my life, most pastors have something like that that's gone on, is um, I was pretty aware, uh, you know, as far as spiritual attack and, and that kind of thing, coming sure. from the outside, and even sometimes from the inside, um, but there were, there were some people that were close to me, and that's where, that's where Satan, he just got them, man. And it, it was, I was blindsided, never saw it coming, and yeah. just, a, just amazing. And so, yeah, you know, you're, the, the things that you're, you're talking about, absolutely true. I really like what you said about you don't need to respond immediately uh, to what people are saying. Uh, you know that that needs to be a, the subject of prayer and going before the Lord and asking Him how to respond. And you know, uh, you you quoted from Romans chapter 12, and in the passage there it says, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. Right. And you know, you can you can put the emphasis in a couple of different places. Vengeance is mine; I will repay. And I I I think that a lot of times, guys who are going through it hard and heavy. Uh, they they don't see any out they don't they don't see any um any result that's going to be good they don't they don't see the lord's hand in it and you know i mean that's that's classic you you see this in the psalms when david is talking where are you lord what what are you doing why am i here what have i done you know uh uh, and uh that whole kind of thing but the the promise is that god takes care of these things
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. I got just a few more questions. We call this the lightning round. So you're just okay. going to answer real quickly. Number one okay. is who's your go-to pastor, dead or alive, to listen to?
1: Uh, Damien Kyle.
0: Love it. Uh, what's a recent good read, a book you've read that you would suggest to other pastors to to listen or read as well?
1: Uh lightning round, man. shouldn't go so fast. Um, you know, actually, I just, we, we just read this for the book of the month at our church and it was C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. I've read it before, but man, it's so, it was like reading it for the first time again. It's, it's such a good book. Yeah.
0: All right. Last one. And this would be in general, you know, what would be one piece of advice that you want to give to someone who's in full-time ministry that you just encourage someone or someone who's looking to go into full-time ministry?
1: Um, stay as close to Jesus as you can um, keep short accounts don't allow uh sin or um just bad habits even to permeate your life but but keep short accounts with the Lord and stay close to Jesus that's that's the number one thing awesome
0: Mike yeah. say, thanks so much for taking time out of your day and hanging out with us I appreciate you man I appreciate your ministry there and Emmett and, and, and uh say hi to Lyle for me <laughs>
1: I will. I will. Say hi to your team for me.
0: Love you guys. Yeah, too. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, love you too, man. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. God bless. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at EQMinistry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.